Hi, I'm Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great as we wrap up 2019 and prepare to enter the next decade. And 2019, for all people paying even a modicum of attention, who are sane and reasonable human beings, 2019 in the U.S. political context was pretty uniformly horrible. We see a administration and the Republican Party that supports it that is completely craven and devoid of principle. The criminality, corruption, and debasement of our politics is really at levels that are almost unfathomable. We've become so desensitized and numb to the kind of constant drumbeat of insanity that is the Trump era that all of us who, again, are sane are somewhat uh, exhausted by this. But I'm hoping that you all are refreshing yourselves, not getting too bogged down by the insanity, and, uh, you know, staying positive in whatever ways that you can. This episode, I'm going to talk about what's in store for 2020 and my antidote to that, because it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be a fun year in the political context. Uh, Even if we do defeat Trump in November, that's still 10 months of insanity. And then if he is defeated, uh, there'll be continued insanity until he is actually removed that following year. So really, under even the best circumstances, we have a year of insanity to look forward to, which I'll talk more about in a moment. But it's also important to note that, you know, this insanity that's going on in the U.S. is mirrored in other parts of the world as we've seen this kind of rise of global right-wing movements. I do not call them populist movements because they are not populist. They are plutocratic uh, movements that are for the rich and they're just the typical kind of divide and conquer and keep everyone distracted and, you know, with racism and hating each other and division while the the rich run to the bank. That is certainly the model that is pretty much uniformly um, being spread around the world. But it's it's a pretty important phenomenon. It's obviously in the UK. I'll talk about that in a moment. We're seeing this pretty big in India. You know, so this is not just a Western kind of European phenomenon. You know, Modi in India is really going hard in on fascism and some really ugly stuff going on in there. In fact, I'd say the most dangerous stuff going on in a democracy right now is probably in India. But, you know, there was a recent UK election in which the conservatives won a huge, huge victory, something they hadn't won in 80 years. And a lot of people are saying that's a, you know, premonition and a warning for the left in America as we gear up for our next presidential election. You know, there's probably a a grain of truth to that in the sense that we certainly don't want to 
become overconfident, you know, despite how horrible Trump is that, you know, there's still, uh, he has still had a de dedicated 40% of these, the zombie hordes that love him. But I, I don't, I don't think that comparison should be taken too far because what's really important in all of this context is to remember what an outlier the U.S. is. So, for example, Boris Johnson, I really, is a despicable character in many ways, but he is pretty intelligent, he is pretty politically savvy, and he is orders of magnitude more intelligent than Trump. Also, remember, the Conservative Party in the UK believes in universal single-payer health care, in gun control, in climate change. In fact, the Conservative Party in the UK it would be considered far left in the U.S. So, you know, Boris Johnson wasn't trying to take away people's reproductive freedoms and, you know, take away people's health care and, you know, deny climate change and give subsidies to coal companies, right? So as much as that that victory was, was huge and, and Brexit is now going to happen, I just don't see a lot of parallels in the U.S. It's, it's important to remember that the, the Republican Party in the U.S., is the most far-right extremist party in the world. It is more far-right than the neo-Nazi parties of Europe. It's far-right on basically every single issue down the board. And again, conservative parties around the world would be considered liberal in the U.S. So that's been pretty uniformly bad, the political trends of the last uh, year. But there were also some good trends on clean energy, you know, huge victories for clean energy around the world, not enough to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions, which is, again, is terribly problematic. But still, green energy is expanding exponentially, and there's a lot of good there. The plant-based industry uh, is really growing at tremendous rates, both in the U.S. and around the world. And that's incredibly powerful because, again, the two parallel tracks to going to build long-term sustainability for humanity is a, a move to clean energy and a move to plant-based diets. So those were made tremendous progress. And, and this is kind of a reminder that there will always be opportunities for progress, even in the darkest of times, right? There's never, it's never that everything is dark. There's always good trends that we can support and good things happening behind the scenes that maybe in the in the end, you know, when we look back 20, 30 years from now, and hopefully the Trump era was a one-term presidency and long in the rearview mirror, and he has died broken in jail, that the, the really important trends of this year were, you know, the plant-based industry or, you know, the increase in renewable power, and that that really turns out to be the important stuff. It's always hard to tell. Nobody can predict history and there's a lot of uncertainty. There was also a lot of victories at the state level, some really great ballot initiatives in the U.S. for true democracy and removing gerrymandering. There were some state houses that went to Democrats uh, for the first time in a long time. And so, you know, it wasn't all bleak. With that being said, 2020 is going to be a very, very wild ride. People really need to buckle up. And get ready, because it is going to be over-the-top insane. I cannot make many detailed predictions about 2020, but I can guarantee that it is going to be insane. 
and again a wild wild ride that you need to buckle up for hence the title of this episode so after the break i'll come back with some thoughts about how 2020 is going to play out and then the antidotes after that to leave on a positive note as we get ready for the new year Okay, so on to some thoughts on 2020. So first is just kind of meta here. I think people need to really realize what's going on in Trump's mind here. And clearly I cannot read his mind and would not want to enter it for a second for fear that I would lose my soul. But here's here's some thoughts. The first is, is that Trump is likely facing many potential state and criminal charges if he does not win the election. There are statute of limitations on some of his obstruction of justice justice charges that will expire if he wins a second term. And also, if he wins a second term, he will so corrupt the courts and the justice system that by the time he leaves office, it's very unlikely that justice will catch up with him. If he is defeated, however, next year uh, and then is out of office in January 2021, I think there's a high likelihood that there will be many criminal indictments coming down against him. Some of these stem from uh, Robert Mueller's work in the Mueller report. The, you know, There was so much criminality that he kind of got a taste for that he kind of siphoned off to other jurisdictions that I'm sure they're working on it. There's obviously his obstruction of justice. There's a lot of other stuff that will probably come out in his tax returns and money laundering and all sorts of corruption. And so my prediction here is that if Trump is defeated, he will not only be indicted, but there is a non-trivial chance, and I'd say a reasonably high chance, that he spends some time in jail and or goes broke from the, the descent of his business and his legal fees. And so my thinking here is that Trump probably knows this. He is an insane madman, but he's not stupid when it comes to self-preservation. He knows the legal trouble he'll be in. And so he's fighting for his life. This election for him is to fight to stay a free man. And therefore, he will do anything to stay in power. He will burn this place to the ground to stay in power. He doesn't care about anybody besides himself. Again, a malignant narcissist is the accurate description of this man. And so expect that the racism and lies will be turned to 11 all the time next year. His strategy is to just mobilize this rabid base, this zombie horde, of 40 to 45% of people, not all of them whom are as insane as he is, 
but who just want more tax cuts and more right-wing judges and are so in the kind of cult of the of the Republican Party that they just are really not amenable to reason. In conjunction with this, expect massive voter suppression efforts and the continued fomenting of violence at his rallies and in other forums. So I just think, you know, if he is going for a base election, which he clearly is, he's not trying to, you know, woo any other constituent groups. He's just going for the kind of white, religious, uneducated base, and then the plutocrats behind them who just, you know, want to continue to plunder the nation. It's really going to be an ugly, ugly campaign. I think probably the ugliest in, in U.S. history. He will also become increasingly unhinged, right? I'm sure there will be a number of polls that will show that he's behind or that he might lose. And he will, again, be thinking about the loss of his fortune and the loss of his freedom if he ends up in jail as a, you know after his first term. So his hordes of zombies will be unhinged as well. He will be feeding them all kinds of red meat, conspiracy theories, and racism and lies. And so they will be frothing at the mouth by the time this election comes around. So this means it will probably be good to tune them out as much as possible, right? Do not follow the everyday news too much because it's going to be really ugly and soul-crushing. A couple other you know, uh, predictions here. Fake news, obviously, is going to be prominent in the campaign against the Democratic nominee. And I think something even more ominous is going to happen. And this is going to be the most specific prediction I make. So deep fakes, where you actually show video and or audio of a human that is not them. right? So this is just manufactured video of somebody. I think that will enter politics in a big way. I think whoever the Democratic nominee is, and potentially also some Democratic Senate candidates, deep fakes will go online. So there'll be videos of them saying things that they did not say. They will go viral. All the right-wing zombie hordes will send them viral, and they'll be out before anyone can correct it. They'll be out you know, in millions, perhaps tens of millions of views. And we'll become in this kind of reactive posture of having to respond to all this literally fake content out there that will just further confuse the public, which is the whole point. In addition, not only Russia, but I think many other nations will try to sway our elections. Uh, the, the, the Republican Party has done so little to stop that. And Trump has, in fact, openly invited interference in the election. And I think... The reason that you might ask, why would North Korea, why would Russia, why would Iran, why would anybody, you know, China want Trump to continue to be president? Why would these nations that on the surface he has vilified um, or at least are, have been vilified by many in America and certainly, you know, much policy is aimed against them, why would they want, you know, a second Trump term? I think the answer is relatively simple, is that Trump is ultimately weakening America. He's weakening our institutions. He's weakening the, the fabric of our society. He's weakening our, kind of weakening our investments in kind of R&D and technology as he clings to kind of old technologies. 
And so they see a second Trump term as a weaker America and one where they can then gain more uh, and gain some you know, chance to move ahead in kind of global positioning here. So the, the final point I'll make here is whoever the Democratic nominee, nominee is going to be, and I, I don't know who it will be, I don't think anybody does, they are going to be vilified and smeared at an unprecedented level. I mean, we could literally nominate Jesus Christ as the Democratic nominee, and by the time the right-wing machine was through with him, he would be a socialist hippie who wants to turn your kids gay, right? So the, the, the thinking here is, is that we just can't worry about what the right-wing is going to do. They will smear and destroy anybody. That's what they do. And so we really just need to focus on you know, getting our candidate out there and then supporting them. So after the break, I'll come back with some antidotes on kind of how we can be constructive here in this craziness uh, that 2020 will surely be. Okay, so on to the antidotes, something constructive and positive to end on. So the first thing in terms of the Democratic presidential primaries coming up, again, very unpredictable. Uh, They haven't played out in a way that I think I would have liked in the sense that a kind of a clear front runner that would probably be strongest against Trump. But that's the way things go. You know, this is democracy and, you know, a lot of candidates got, you know, in the race and we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I certainly think, you know, a Joe Biden candidacy could be would be pretty weak and I wouldn't be happy with that. Uh, I think a Bernie candidacy wouldn't be that strong, given that he had a heart attack and is quite old and don't think would be the best to go up against Trump. But I'm not going to talk about who my favorite candidates are just yet. I think the primaries, the votes are going to be cast soon, and we'll see how it all plays out. But the math here is simple, which is that most people are going to be disappointed with the nominee in the sense that it won't be their first choice. When you have you know, 20 candidates vying for a nomination and only one can win, clearly most of us are going to be disappointed. The key here is, is to quickly put that disappointment aside and unite against the the GOP and strongly support the Democratic nominee. So I think that's the first thing we need to do for 2020 is just mentally prepare that no matter who wins the nomination, even if it's a Joe Biden, right, who most of us, you know, definitely do not want, uh, we have to get behind him or her strongly. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. My theme for 2020 is going to be unity on the left. Unity, right? We outnumber them. We outnumber the zombie hordes. 
Trump has never had a popularity greater than, you know, the low to mid 40s, right? And my guess is he'll probably get about 45% of the vote in 2020. That means we could, you know, absolutely crush him both in the popular vote and in the Electoral College if we are unified. So again, no third party candidates, no playing around, but unification behind the Democratic nominee is really the name of the game here. My prediction is that no matter who we nominate, Trump will lose the popular vote by at least 10 million votes. You know, we don't live in a democracy and he could still win a second term even with this huge crushing popular vote loss. So what does that mean? It means that the small number of swing states in our insane electoral college system that are going to determine the election, that's where we should focus our efforts, both in terms of volunteering, making calls, voter registration, knocking on doors, supporting state and Senate candidates. You know, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about what those states are, you know, in 2020, but they're the usual suspects, obviously Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, you know, Wisconsin, Florida, perhaps Ohio, you know, a couple others, but there's just not that many states where it's going to matter that much. And so we really, really need to focus our efforts on getting out the liberal democratic base in those key swing states. And so I've already kind of mentioned in previous episodes about, you know, donating to voter registration. Also, the Senate campaigns are going to be incredibly important because even if we win, if Mitch McConnell is the Senate majority leader, everything will die in the Senate and we will get very little done. So that's kind of my antidote here is let's just get ready to unite and to work hard strategically to make sure that we defeat Trump next year and begin to rebuild our country. This is a long-term project. Even if we defeat Trump, it's not like everything's going to snap back to amazingness anytime soon. But it will certainly be a big first step because a second Trump term is really almost unfathomable in the level of depravity and corruption that will ensue if he wins a second term. So I just hope that everyone can make that their New Year's resolution to do whatever is in your power and whatever it takes to get America back on track for 2020. So with that, everybody, I hope you have a happy new year and enter 2020 in good spirits. And if you're liking the podcast, please review it. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Stitcher, and recommend it to your family, friends, and colleagues. I'm looking forward to a robust 2020 to talk a lot about the strategy of how we can win and really re rebuild the nation. So with that, everybody, take care, be well.